Do you see more roundabouts going in? I guess as communities get used to them, the drivers grow to love them and they save money and they, they work really well. Yeah, um, there's been times we've thought about them and it's a pretty divisive topic with the public. People either love them or hate them. There's really not a lot of in-between opinion on them. So, <laughs> I mean, I, the one in the development at uh, Neil there near Devonshire by the Starbucks and all that, uh, my wife frequents that Starbucks and I get to hear about all the ridiculous things people do in that roundabout when she goes there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if we're quite there yet. Uh, this is Chris Sokolowski. I'm the assistant city engineer for transportation with the city of Champaign. Hey, coming up at the end of the conversation I'm having with Chris, some facts about traffic signals you probably didn't know, including how the first one injured a police officer. Chris, um, how many traffic lights do you hit on your way into work every morning? <laughs> um, I actually live uh, outside of town, so I only hit about four. But when I go home, I drive through about six or eight. And then I drive around town a lot. We do all of our shopping and a lot of our dining and stuff here in town. So One question I, I have, and I don't know if you know this or not, but how many different signals are there in uh, Champaign uh, just alone? Um, I probably don't have the exact number off the top of my head, but we have about 110 to 115, I think, uh, in Champaign. Of those, about two-thirds are uh, owned by the state on state routes, and then the other uh, third are 100% city-owned. And we share we share ownership of a lot of the ones on state routes, so it's a, a cooperative effort. It's like a state route would be like Route 10, also known as Springfield, right? Yeah, so Springfield Avenue, uh, Neal Street from Springfield all the way south out of town, um, Mattis and Prospect north of Springfield all the way up to the interstate are also both uh, state routes. Okay, so when you're dealing with state government and you decide, you know, this particular intersection on Route 10, uh, the, the light is too short, do you have to talk to your guy at the state or because it's in Champaign City, do they let you make adjustments? So on the state routes, the state has a um, district signal engineer that's in charge of the timings, um, not just in Champaign, but in the other uh, municipalities in District 5, which would include larger wise Bloomington and Danville. Um, so they control those. We can make suggestions and they try to accommodate us. But um, you know, their number one goal is always to keep traffic moving on the state route, which would be our goal, too. That's the, those are the busier roads in town. Um, and you want to keep traffic moving on those streets, especially during the morning and evening uh, busy times. When you're out driving around or, uh, you know, your boss or even the mayor, you know, somebody says, you know, I have noticed that this particular light it's just it's it's a busier city now than it was. It seems to be shorter. Do these kind of suggestions come in or, you know, are you able to sort of see all of that through some sort of, I don't know, spreadsheet that comes into your office and you're like, oh, yeah, based on the number of cars, this is just going to have to be adjusted and we don't even need people to tell us. So um, I guess the simplest way to explain this is over the I've been here for 23 years. So over the last 20 plus years. Um, at some point or another, we've done, or the state has, done traffic counts at different intersections and developed the timing plans based on those traffic volumes. And then periodically, we check back in to see if volumes or traffic patterns have changed much. Uh, so some locations haven't had changes for a long time because the patterns stay pretty consistent. And a good example of that would be downtown. Um, downtown traffic is pretty consistent. And so the timings don't change very much. Um, and the other flip side of that would be North Prospect, where um, 
over, you know, from the last 20 or 30 years, things have changed a lot up there. So that's been revisited probably four or five times. Um, and while most people won't believe me when I say this, it operates as well as it can operate given all the constraints <laughs> up there. Um, and it's something both the state and the city are constantly keeping an eye on. So while I know that's the one people get most frustrated with in town, um, it's also the one we probably spend the most resources on tweaking. I, I don't know how you look at North Prospect, but I sort of look at it like um, like a puzzle or almost a video game, because based on which store or stores I'm going to, I might take a, a, a route that takes me coming in from the west or the east after I've gone north. Or sometimes I'll even get on the highway and go so far north and then come back in, you know, from the north going south to North Prospect. Well, you're actually doing things that I would recommend to people when they get frustrated, especially during, uh, you know, busy weekends. I mean, during the regular day, because um, our public works office is right here, I head up there to go to lunch or to run errands and that. And during normal times, it works pretty good going north especially but when you get a busy shopping weekend um the other routes in neil and mattis and that a, a lot of times you're gonna get there in the same amount of time and probably instead of having to sit in traffic you're moving and to me that just feels better than sitting in traffic so well so probably the most te technologically advanced uh, traffic signal uh, technology that we might have would be what like the devices that don't fire trucks use devices that can change the signals uh, when they need to things like that yeah so i'm i in preparation for today i kind of thought through in my time here what are some of the things that that in my time since graduating college and starting to work what are some of the technologies that came about um Preemption is definitely one. That's what, what, what the fire and actually police uh, cars have access to it as well. And it's GPS-based. It used to be line of sight, and there was a light on the truck and a light up on the uh, mast arm. People probably used to see the uh, – there's a white confirmation beacon that comes on there's above the traffic lanes that tells you that the signal is being preempted. That's still uh, at a lot of locations. But GPS-based allowed the preemption to start when the truck is around the corner or – further away to clear traffic before the fire truck gets up to the signal in a much more efficient manner than the old technology. So that, that is one improvement. Um, that same, um, software allows for transit priority, which we don't use very much here in town again, cause we don't have a lot of congestion issues or, uh, that a lot of larger communities have, but there are places that we use that. And that allows a bus to extend the green for, eight or 10 seconds if it fits within the, all of the other timing parameters so that they can get through the light and stay on schedule better. Uh, there's video detection. So we use video cameras to detect traffic, whereas those used to be metal loops in the pavement. And the advantage of that is it, 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 um, it's better for our pavements a long term that we are not cutting into them for the detection. And it's easier to fix them. If we have an issue, we can troubleshoot it much easier. Um, we've added countdown timers. If you see those uh, for the pedestrian time to cross the street, uh, that's a newer technology that everybody understands much better than just the flashing hand when you had no idea how much time you had to cross the street. And then the last one I wrote down were, uh, we have accessible push buttons, um, for ped crossings that, um, for folks who are visually impaired, uh, talk and let you know when the walk lights on. So that improves accessibility for folks. And that's something that's probably new in the last probably 10 to 15 years. So. Now, there's a technology I've heard about, I don't think we have in Champaign or Champaign County, where you, as a driver, get some sort of a warning that the light is going to change from red 
to green. And I don't know what that's called. Have you heard of this? I basically heard what you've just said, but it's not something um, that I've heard when I go to a couple annual conferences um, that talk about emerging technologies and that. So maybe it's just not quite there yet. Maybe they're piloting it. I don't know. But um, I haven't I haven't heard about that one from our signal manufacturers yet. So sorry, I wish I had more info on that. Yeah. When you were mentioning some of the technologies that had changed over your years with the city, um, is LED lights one of those? Because haven't most traffic signals gone LED? Yeah, LED. We were one of the early communities to, to try out LEDs. And, you know, now they're, they're pretty much everywhere. Um, their main advantage was it, it saved uh, a lot of money on power costs that we used to pay for to power traffic signals. Um, and then, um, you know, one of the disadvantages is uh, with, on some of the signals uh, when you get snow drift, uh, you know, um, LEDs don't heat up like old incandescent bulbs. Um, and I was just talking to our traffic and lighting folks. They actually bought a couple a new product that's coming out called a heated signal visor that would um, possibly help with that. So we're going to try that out at an intersection here probably in the next, this fall for the winter and, and keep an eye on that and see if that's an option for us moving forward at intersections where we have that issue. Yeah, the, my, my, uh, my, my wife had a really good question, and, uh, and it does really kind of pertain to the old bulbs and the new ones. How often do you have to change a bulb? Uh, or I don't even know, they're probably not even called bulbs anymore because you've got an, a cluster of LEDs. But how often do those have to be changed? Because that's one of the advantages, as we know, in our own homes, that LEDs don't burn out as often. Yeah, um, they last, most of them tout about a 10-year life. Um, I think we're getting at least that out of most of them. You're always going to have outliers in, in the different batches, so there might be some we, we have to change a little sooner. But I think it's roughly about 10 years. The old incandescent bulbs, I, I mean, I'd have to think back to when I first started here and we still had those, but I believe those would go out. Um, you know, the, the, the red and greens are the ones that are on the most. So I think that was in, once a year to every two years, they'd have to replace those. Um, and I mean, a side benefit to replacing them less often is... Uh, less exposure for workers in traffic, you know, closing a lane and 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 and, ex and swapping out bulbs. So, and there's benefits to the public too because we're not blocking the lane um, for that. And then the LEDs fail a little differently. Uh, folks might notice when you look up at some of the older ones, will be um, just some of the individual LEDs will have burned out, but the, but the whole thing isn't out, so you still have some indication of, of what the light is. And then we typically replace them before the whole thing's out, so it's not completely out. Um, I notice arrows seem to fail a little differently, so that might not apply to the to the green and yellow arrows. I noticed on uh, the uh, overpass on Curtis Road there mm -hmm. in Southwest Champaign that uh, lights have been added there on either side of the bridge. Was that part of the plan when you know the new overpass was being planned out? Whatever, ten years ago. Well, so for a little background, interstates while they're they are federal, um, the state DOTs um, manage those um, for the federal government, and I don't know all the background back details of how that happens, but um, IDOT controls um, decisions related to the uh, interchange and the overpasses and and all of that. The state basically determines when the signals would go in at the interchange. Um, they. Uh, Traffic related to the Carlton Fields development is probably what's mostly driving the signals there, um, and then there's other, you know, other Southwest Champaign traffic. But um, a, a couple times of day, I think in the morning specifically, the ramp was starting to get where people were starting to queue. Probably about halfway down that ramp, 
toward uh, the through lanes of the interchange. And I know the number one thing that the, that IDOT is always concerned with is they do not want traffic backing up into a through lane on the interstate because there's a potential for um, you know for a, a serious uh, crash when that happens. So. I'm sure they've been monitoring the volumes out there. And when it got to a point that they um, felt it needed a signal that they went ahead and had those installed here this spring or summer. Yeah. So there was probably always known that at some point those signals were going to have to be put in there. Yeah. This is just a matter of when the volumes got to where um, the state would decide to put them in. So, yeah, no surprises that they were there. Um the location of the intersection for Carlton Fields and uh, all that's decided and determined with with all that long-term uh, vision in mind that those ramps would be signalized. So uh, The yellow borders that popped up around the signals over the past year or so, tell us about those because uh, they they really make the, the signal stand out, which I uh, is probably the point. Yeah, um, those are uh, all at state intersections. So uh, District 5, IDOT I, I District 5, um, decided to move to those to, like, just, like you said, improve visibility of the signal heads. Um, I think one of the primary reasons was if you had a dark signal, uh, a lot of their, you know, uh, across the district, uh, which District 5 is primarily a rural district with the exception of Champaign and Bloomington and Danville. Um, if you have a signal out where there aren't any streetlights, you would not necessarily be able to even see that there is a signal and, and then you'd have that potential for, uh, for an accident. So I think that was safety was one of the primary motivating factors. And then a nice side benefit is they do pop. Um, pretty nicely, uh, given the, the rest of the traffic cell equipment's typically black, uh, coated. Um, we haven't put those in on city intersections yet. Um, we still have to d- probably discuss if that's something we want to move to. I mean, IDOT and us, uh, have different types of facilities. They have high speed facilities and they're much larger intersections and busier. And I'm not sure we would need to do something like that in downtown Champaign you know, where you have small intersections, people are driving a lot slower. Um, and it's pretty obvious, you know, what's going on. Um, plus aesthetically, I don't know how those would, would play downtown. So we haven't decided if we're going to move to doing those everywhere or not. Uh, but the district did those a couple years ago. And, um, I mean, they do, they do help with visibility. So it's something that, yeah, you might think about down the road, but yeah, yeah, they, they seem to, uh, they seem to, you know, grab the attention, which is good, you know, to keep everybody alert and awake. So that's good. Yeah. And those are somewhat unique to district five. I don't, I don't think that uh, it's, I think they had those, uh, they designed them and had them manufactured. So they're not like an off the shelf product. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, they're not that, I don't remember the cost, but they're not that, that expensive. Uh, we have to stock some since. We do maintenance on state signals through an intergovernmental agreement with the state and then get reimbursed for that. So we have to stock some of those in case uh, we have a signal knockdown or something gets damaged. So You know, I was, it just occurred to me that, you know, technology changes probably every year with traffic signals. That doesn't mean that the city of Champaign or the city of Urbana adopts some new technology every year. But like you said, you know, fire trucks and police cars are now using GPS to help change the signal a block ahead of time, you know, which is a neat. To, uh, an updated technology. But one thing that has not changed, I don't think, is the, is the lowly old stop sign, right? Well, uh, yes and no. So we, uh, um, our traffic and lighting section uh, found a product that um, uh, there's some intersections in town where we, if we have a, a crash problem, we've had a flasher above the stop sign. And now you can buy stop signs that have the LEDs around the border of the stop sign within. And that's the same old stop sign, but it's just lighting it in a different way. So we're, we're testing a couple of those out on Bradley Avenue at McKinley um, 
to um, to just see how those um, um, look and operate compared to the flasher aspect because um, they might be a little bit easier for us to um, maintain and keep in stock. So, so I, I imagine a signal goes in like you brought up Bradley and McKinley when even all of the LEDs and the extra stop signs and everything. I imagine that's when. Uh, a stoplight is is put in then when there are a number of accidents or fatalities i mean is that is that the main reason or are there other reasons yeah there's a there's a handful of reasons safety is probably always one of the main drivers of almost everything we do um so if there was a location that had um a crash history and we were not able to address it another way we would seriously look at the traffic signal if that makes sense for that location because everything is unique to the individual location um the amount of traffic so on a major street like if you look at the intersection of windsor and staley over there by the y it's a stop right now someday that'll be a traffic signal uh so that'll probably be more driven by the traffic volumes there once it gets to a point that it's so busy and there's a, a del, you know you have a lot of delay trying to get through it then that will probably move over to traffic signal i don't foresee that one being a safety issue in the future so because there's just nothing there that contributes to the type of locations that typically have the safety issues and then the last way that we typically end up installing them would be it's driven by development so the signal at carl at the fields there just west of the interchange on curtis um Anytime there's a large-scale development, they'd have to do a study that shows what the impact of the traffic they'll, they'll generate will have on the intersections around them. And if that traffic amount of traffic requires a traffic signal within the next 10 years, then it's put in with the development so that the development pays for it and the city doesn't have to put it in 10 years later and then the taxpayers are paying 100% of that. The developer's paying a, paying a portion of it and the city has a portion of it. So those are the three main ways. Since you mentioned Windsor and Staley and, and that, that a light will probably be in there at some point, um, what about, what about I, I don't think that's a location for a roundabout, but are, do you see more roundabouts going in? Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't really know if I can predict that. I mean, that'll obviously, you know, the ones we have are on local streets or within a development, right? So if we were to um, extend that out to a busier street, um, and probably the best candidates would be the intersection of two two-lane roads. So, so in actuality, Windsor and Staley would be potential from an operational standpoint. Like, I don't know if fitting the roundabout in the constraints of the right-of-way and all that would work, but the two-lane roads are probably the the, the best candidates if you were going to do one because they're the most straightforward roundabouts to drive through. Um, but that would probably require some discussions with council and public input to make sure that you know, the community is, is kind of ready for one of those. Um, there were, there's been times we've thought about them and it's a pretty divisive topic with the public. People either love them or hate them. And there's really not a lot of in-between opinion on them. So, <laughs> um, I mean, I, the one in the development at, uh, on Neil there near Devonshire by the Starbucks and all that, um, my wife frequents that Starbucks and I get to hear about all the ridiculous things people do in that roundabout when she goes there. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if we're quite there yet, but, um, I mean, I could see that happening at, some intersections probably out toward the edge of town, you know, on the Duncan Staley corridor somewhere out there, you know, there, there could potentially be one in the future. 
Yeah, maybe maybe what we need is uh, since we don't have a lot of them, we would need a practice roundabout. So we would go two <laughs> miles two miles outside of town. We would uh, the city would buy up some farm field, <laughs> throw 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 in a practice roundabout, and and give everybody two years to learn how to use it. Yeah, or, or maybe a, another municipality could try it first, and then you know break everybody in, and then we can jump right in there. There you go, Rantoul. We're talking about you. Please uh, break in some break in some roundabouts so we can try them out. So, uh, Chris, when I was on the radio and I would get to go to a concert, uh, and I would have these all access passes given to us by like the tour manager, we could go anywhere in the venue, backstage, wherever we wanted. Does the mayor have like an all access button where she is cruising down the road and has got to get to a meeting? She can press it, and all the lights will just boom, 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 lay out green for her. No, I, I'm sure that Mayor Finan would love to have that. Button. Um, and if we had one, um, it, I mean, if I if I told you there was one, then then we'd have everybody in the organization asking for one. Uh, so 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 no, uh, the only uh, you know the only people that may have that would be like uh, I mean, you could probably say the fire chief does because he probably has the preemption equipment uh, uh, available to him, but. Um, I'm sure he doesn't uh, use that unless he needs to. (laughs) And even if he has it, he's not going to tell anybody. Probably not. (laughs) Chris Sokolowski with the Public Works Department. Thanks for jumping on the podcast with me. Uh, No problem, Steve. Anytime. Thank you again, Chris, for joining me. And now five facts about traffic signals. First, the world's first was installed in London in 1868. The gaslit, manually operated signal exploded less than a month later, injuring the police officer who was operating it. Until the 1920s, there were no yellow lights on traffic signals. The guy who patented the three-way traffic signal in 1923 also invented the gas mask in 1912. The first traffic light with a pedestrian countdown timer was installed in Hampton, Virginia in 1996. And the average American spends just under 60 hours each year waiting at red lights, which if you're a podcaster is good news. That means there's more time for you to listen. So before I wrap up, a reminder that if you just found this podcast and you're listening in an app on your smartphone, please touch the follow or subscribe button so each episode is downloaded automatically. And if your podcast app offers a way to review the podcast, please do that. Also, roughly half of my podcast guests are coming in as suggestions from listeners. So if you have a suggestion or a comment or a question, email me, steve at holstein.co, or use the contact link on the website, holstein.co. I'm Steve. This was the Holstein & Company Podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, and I'll see you around town.